Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. What's going on, everybody? My name's RJ. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast on tour. We're live. It's, uh, what day is it? Monday, I guess, still. 
Um, I was just hanging out with a bunch of people, and then right when I went live, they all went backstage, back there partying without me. So I'm going to bring them on in a second. Um, just hope everybody's doing well out there. People who are watching, please insert your comments um, in the chat box. Tell us what you're thinking. We're going to talk all about the last several shows of Fall Tour and look ahead a little bit to Vegas as well. Um, I'm going to bring in... I guess I'm going to bring in everybody. This is this is like... This is amazing. Look at all these people that we have to bring in. We have Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Howdy. So good to see you, man. And you. Brian Brinkman. Hey, Brian's Brian. Hello. Hey, guys. Brian, How you doing? Brian is fresh, fresh off off tour actually like legitimately fresh off tour how, how long have you been how long have you been home i've been in my house for 35 minutes awesome sweet <laughs> and gone at at fish concerts and you came home and your wife was like hey you want to help with the kids and you're like actually i'm gonna go podcast i'm gonna go talk fish. a little bit more about fish because that's kind of what happens <laughs> and we have a special guest our first I think this is our first appearance from our friend Matt uh, this tour so far. Hi, Matt. No, well, this tour maybe, but I've, I've. No, the yeah, people know me. They've been around. around. Yeah, I'm just saying this is great. The people's podcaster, the people's Matt podcaster. <laughs> even though we've added, even though we've added Brian, obviously we're still missing Brad because it's just how we will continue to be <laughs> for as long as this is an entity. I have um, chairs across the wall here set up for him. So. <laughs> I know you got to see Brad in in Phoenix, Brian, which we should talk about. But uh, Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I uh, have not gotten to see any shows on this tour yet. Uh, last run I was at was Atlantic City, but I'm going to Vegas this weekend, so I'm preparing my uh, cleansing regimen of like drinking a lot of water, trying to get some sleep, uh, get myself healthy. You know, it's always a, a it's always a dilemma to me when you're going into a run like Vegas, do you start to ramp up the intake so that your body is kind of ready and you don't have any like party fouls or anything, or do you need to just cleanse yourself so that you're in good shape going into it this time around? I've opted for uh, the, the clean lifestyle and I'm ready to, uh, to fire on all cylinders this weekend. Live healthy all the time. That way you have no <laughs> dilemma. Yeah. But hydrate extra because it's dry out there in Vegas, which is it is dry. Love is it, what right? I'm planning on. That's what, yeah. So, guys, who's going to Vegas? Hi. Oh, sorry, uh, Brian. But you just saw some, you know, pretty okay. I just saw maybe. some fish. <laughs> yeah. And your yeah. wife will be there in your in your absence, which we'll my wife my wife her. will be there, and I will be I will be enjoying it from the couch. I'm very excited to uh, to chill out and watch some fish. Um, I, w- I will say before we get into it, because we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, we are brought to you by Shift Genuine Cannabis, as most people know. I think on the screen you can see the Shift Genuine Cannabis logo on right, right next to right Jonathan. There. It's actually in the room with him, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, we have two live events coming up this weekend. I don't know if we're all going to be. Are we all going to be there? I mean, Brian won't, but Jonathan, Matt, Brad, and I. I think we're all going to make appearances of some kind at this at this thing, right? I'll be at the thirty first. Okay, I'll be at both. Matt will both. be at both. Brad Absolutely. will be at both. It's going to be fun. We have some special guests. It's going to be 1 p.m. Pacific. Anyone who's at the Vegas shows, please come to the Brooklyn Bowl and hang with us. We will all be there at one time or another. Um, Brian, how was your uh, how was your mini tour? It was great. I uh, I went into this tour with 
as limited expectations as I could possibly have. I booked this uh, intentionally. I wanted a road trip across the desert. I wanted to see some off-market fish shows that felt like they'd be a little undersold, fun to move around, kind of cool little cities that I don't typically see fish in, um, see a bit of the Southwest, uh, have kind of a thing for the desert right now. So like driving across the desert, seeing fish in the desert seemed very appealing. I love Southern California. So that checked a lot of boxes. And instead of it just being like a very relaxing couple of fish shows with high points, some low points, some, you know, whatever in between. So one of the best fish shows I've ever seen and uh, two other shows that just had some incredible highlights. The the band is firing like crazy right now. And uh, I walked away feeling exhausted in the best way possible. Matt and Jonathan, you, you guys have, you're about to see some shows, but haven't seen shows. Uh, can we get into this um, kind of what you, what your takeaways have been from the first eight shows of the tour so far, Jonathan, do you, do you want to go first? Do you have, yeah, you know, I, I gotta say, I've, I've listened to all of this music and I'm really disappointed that fish has been phoning it in night after night. They're going all over the West coast and just, uh, Oh, hang on. Sorry. I've been handed a bulletin that says that's bullshit. Turns out fish is killing it. What is up? This is the greatest tour in 20 years. I'm not kidding. I mean, like, it's maybe bad podcasting, too hyperbolic, but just sitting at home, listening to these shows every morning, because I can't stay up that late, uh, I'm just blown away. And I'm seeing very similar commentary from people who were there. They're just, it's great. It's They're playing fluidly, largely accurately. They're jamming extensively, creative set listing. I mean, I haven't... It, it's great. I'm I'm absolutely floored. Uh, Matt, I know you always feel differently than I do, so you're pretty disappointed, right? <laughs> absolutely. This is <laughs> I, I don't I'm kind of considering canceling my Vegas plans. Uh, <laughs> no, this you know, I was a huge fan of the summer tour. I thought I thought summer tour was amazing. Um, so I was excited about what was coming. I think the big question in a lot of people's minds was you know, is there going to be some sort of a a lull or a ramp back up period at the start of the tour, given that you had, you know, what about six weeks between Dick's and, um, and fall tour, which is not a big break in terms of modern fish. I mean, usually you have months. Um, but I think, you know, as has been discussed quite a bit, the tab tour, the survivor tour, and the fact that, uh, silver lining out of that was that Fishman and Trey were playing together and, and killing it. Uh, every night of that tab tour by the end really went a long way towards uh, helping them start off on a a strong foot. Um, And I think you can tell it's one thing for the band to be on, but they really have to be invested in making the shows amazing every night to get to the level that they're at right now. And I think it's, it's seriously paying off and I'm almost scared about what's going to happen this weekend in Vegas. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be incredible. No expectations, man. It's nope. just going to be just another four <laughs> nights of fish with an extra set thrown in. That's all. Are, are, are we allowed to talk about the comparisons? Because David, um, thanks for tuning in, David, since 1998. I mean, if, if you say that this is the best tour since 1997, are you, are you, I mean, I, I say that kind of, I've been saying this since the beginning of 2021 before fish even started playing. So I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm removed from the conversation, but can you, can you even, can you make those comparisons? Um, Brian, can, can we make those comparisons? Are we allowed? I think we can. I mean, I, I think that we have to, 
Matt, Matt said something about summer tour that I think resonates with this like discussion and comparison. And I, I was thinking about it a lot going into the fall tour that you have to go back to 1997 where we had a really strong summer tour that was followed by a stronger fall tour. Um, the one knock that I would, I would put to 90, 1998 is parts of the fall tour start to feel um, meandering in ways you start to hear kind of the, the impending darkness of that's going to, that's going to come upon in late 1.0 and into 2.0. There are a number of really good summer tours that I can name like 2003, 2015 that didn't have a fall tour. So I think in terms of like where the band, how they structure their touring schedule this year and the quality of music that we heard throughout the entire summer tour, I think all of us would have been pleased with, the shows we got this summer and then not playing in the fall and, and just going back to those shows over and over and over again, it seems like they've taken what was working over the summer, which were extended jams, um, kind of in certain areas, odd set list choices and doubled down on both of those things, making these shows feel, I said this on Twitter about an hour or so ago, it feels really disorienting. Like, just to jump ahead to Chula Vista, Fluffhead into a jam, into NICU, into a jam, into Bye Bye Foot, and realizing, like, at the end of Bye Bye Foot, thinking to myself, we're three songs into the show, but we're like 40 minutes into the show, and I could never have predicted any of this happening. That's happening at pretty much every single show, and them kind of breaking down the structure of their shows is something we haven't heard since the 97, 98 period, at least in this manner, maybe a little bit, no three, but not really uh, on this level. I don't really like to directly compare year to years. They're very different band at this point. And so True. it's not fair to either year to really compare, put them head to head like that. But I would say it's been arguably that long since we had this kind of consistency. Also, you know, when I started seeing fish, there was, they were in a moment where they were constantly building on what they did before they built on the previous tour. They built on the previous show and kind of feels like that's happening right now. And that's very exciting. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of fun to listen to and yeah, they're doing things like, a you know, extended version of Frankie says in the middle of the set slave to the traffic light popping up in the middle of set one and, you know, more than once and yeah. really just, uh, it almost leaves me speechless, but I could probably talk a few more hours about it. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Matt, Matt, let me, I want to ask you because you, we actually surprisingly, we haven't talked about this tour very much um, in detail and we usually talk about most tours in detail. So I have questions for you specifically, but I was thinking this morning after listening to these shows, like to me, there's a kind of like a fearlessness that seems to be happening right now where it's like, that's part of the disorienting thing. I think is like, they don't, there's no like, oh, what if we, can we do this here or should we like do something else here? They're just like going with it. Do you think that's like Trey, is it Trey's confidence or or does it go, is it more complicated than that? Do you think? Well, I would say it's the entire band's confidence. Um, I, I definitely think the swagger aspect is a huge contributing factor uh, when they're playing like this, that they know they can do anything. And so they're willing to go there. There's no hesitation. The way that that usually kind of manifests itself, I think, um, over the course of a really great tour. Uh, and I would, I would, put this tour on the top shelf with tours like, uh, you know, summer 2015, fall 2013. Um, I'll, I'll 
pause there instead of getting back into the, you know, 1.0 versus modern day. Um, but what is even common back then versus the tours today is that when they get into a jam, and I think uh, the, the, the Fluffhead Jam and ICU segment the other night is a perfect example of this. It feels like it doesn't take them any effort to switch from composed mode to jam mode. It happens no. instantly. So many tours, I mean, even great tours, like, you know, they would play um, tweezer and then it's like, all right, they're going to jam now, but it's going to take them like three, four minutes to like start to accumulate some sort of momentum. Now it's like the second that they want to jam and it can happen at any, any point when it's expected or not, they just turn it back on and it goes. And that's how you have in, in 97, the funk, right? It just came back instantly in all these jams. Like they went back to the same familiar place. And and to, to bring it back to the question, I think like that's the swagger that they have that it's like, all right, cool. We played the song. Boom. We're back in it. We're back in that group mindset that we've been in for this tour. That's making it so great. Uh, and that that's what I can't wait to see in Vegas. I'd like to follow on that with a note that, you know, they are so decisive and collectively decisive that mm -hmm. it's, it's almost, I think the, like the one notable exception is in, uh, was it Eugene after 2001, you can hear Mike playing with Boogie on and they, you know, there's a couple things happening and then Trey goes to Sigma Oasis. I think that's the most glaring moment there of that kind of like, maybe they're not all a hundred percent on the same page. Uh, but that's one moment out of what is this eight shows we're in now and so much great, great play. And so much of that, which you're talking about, Matt, that has just been really exciting and yeah, disorienting even at times. Cause you don't, you don't, don't see it coming and you don't know which way they're going to go at any point in the show. I think the other thing just to add to it is like, they now seem to be getting to a point where they're challenging themselves. Can we jam out this song? Like Fluffhead going into a jam, you enjoy myself going into a type two jam. Like these segments, it, it bodes very well for, for a hope that Jonathan and I am guessing RJ and Matt, you feel the same way, but a jammed out Bowie. Like it feels like it's really on the table because they are challenging themselves to say, Fluffhead goes into this, you know, peak that we expect every time. Can we actually get to the jam before we really go through the whole, you know, that that peaking segment? Uh, you enjoy myself in the middle section. Like, are we able to transition this into a jam that we would out of Set Your Soul Free or Everything's Right? Songs that really cater to open-ended jamming right after they they finish. Let me let me ask you something. Do you guys do you guys agree with that? Because Matt and Jonathan, because is it that they're um, saying, can we do this? Or is it that they're actually not thinking about it at all? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, cause <laughs> sometimes when I'm listening, I'm like, like, do you enjoy myself? Are they, are they saying like, can we, can we move this to a different place? Or are they so in the moment that they're actually like, we're not going to go to the place we usually go to, which is more of like an unconscious decision as opposed to a conscious decision. I Does that make sense? Conscious that... decision to surrender conscious decisions. If that makes That's, sense. That seems like a good middle ground. Yeah. I also yeah. want to call out Brian for site naming the David Bowie, which they haven't played all tour. Hmm. It'll be great They're in Santa Barbara. Home. And when they play that tomorrow, I'm going to fly to Colorado <laughs> on the way to Vegas. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a natural thing that happens when they're on that these, 
doors just open for them naturally and they're more comfortable going through them. Um, I think a lot back as people talk about the like, oh, is it a conscious decision to jam this out or jam that out? And I think a lot back to Trey's comment about the Alpine Valley Ruby waves from a couple years ago where he said, I, they came out, I, I forget what they played first. It was soul planet or everything's right or something like that. And he said that was supposed to be the big jam. So they did say, let's go out and give them a big one. But then they realized in the, in the course of that jam, it just wasn't happening. But mm -hmm. then unexpectedly in Ruby waves, it just happens. So I think they're, yeah. they're very willing to surrender. And when they're all locked in the, the way that they are right now, those opportunities just present themselves so much more often. The, the main reason I ask these questions is because I'm trying to read into what's going to happen in Vegas, which is obviously like <laughs> what, a bad, what a bad use of time. Uh, let's make a better use of time. Brian, um, Phil, who's watching on Facebook, um, said Friday to Sunday, each one better than the next. You've been lucky enough to see half of this tour so far, which is pretty incredible for a father of, of two. I'm really proud of you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Do you feel like it's built? <laughs> do you feel like it's built every night or does it feel like, do you feel an upward trajectory? Or does it feel like they're just like a, a slower climb or like, how, how does it feel after you've seen these shows over the past week or so? I think it's all varying levels of great. Um, I don't think that we've had a bad show per se uh, on this tour, even like Sacramento that felt really disjointed and, and didn't have a lot of flow to it was still a really interesting show to listen to. Um, over this weekend, uh, I, I, Saturday night was like, that was the show for me. Um, Sunday was, was a really, really fun classic rock segue fest in the LA forum. Like it felt very, very fitting for, for the moment. Um, the crowd was super into it. Um, I loved the show. I, I enjoyed the show. I, I don't know if it would be on the same level for me as Saturday, um, but I would agree that like Friday felt like the band, you know, moving out of the Northwest, moving back into an outdoor show, played a few more standard kind of rotational songs, but mixed it in with these moments like Martian Monster into a Soul Planet Jam, two and three songs into the show, a 26 minute Everything's Right, right in the middle of the second set that added that sort of magic that we're hearing throughout the fall. Unbelievable. Jams. Surprised you haven't graphed the uh, fish.net ratings. You're such a big fan of those. Um, I just, <laughs> there's, went there's back, still time. I just went back and flipped through them and it, it is <laughs> rating, rating from 3.3 to 4.3. Um, but it's a little bit of up and down. I think though, overall we're trending up. Um, just, probably because Sacramento was one of the three point something or others, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's a big, I don't think it's a steep slope. I think they, they've started out pretty high up and they're maintaining. Yeah. Um, so obviously Halloween is just going to be six hours of jam. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, something's going to happen. I do. I do have to say though, based on the fishnet ratings, which I have looked at, it's it's almost like a little bit unfair for the not that these shows are independent entities with their you know ability to feel but like it's a little bit unfair for like a you know a show to get three a 3.5 or something um a show that has you know a couple two three 20 minute jams because the other shows around it are just like so amazing that it's like i mean i don't know i feel like it's a little skewed like all the shows are so good that it's the, the ratings are a little bit like in a regular tour, you'd see some below three and then, and then like, 
you know, it would peak and then there'd be like, this just there, it's just like a consistent peak. It's, it's totally unfair for everybody except all of us fans. Yeah. Well, I, mean, we're I think the ones it's a matter. I think it's a tour we will be analyzing for that reason for, for a long time, because like I, I'm walking away from the last five shows I've seen. Three of them are now in like some of my favorite shows I've ever seen, both setting and music. It was, you know, everything I wanted from fish. And I remember walking away from night three of dicks and thinking, you know, it'd taken me years to see a show like that again. And then I walked away from San Francisco and being like, how did I see two shows back to back that were that high quality. And that gave me that much of like a just love and appreciation for this band. And the whole night, every single song felt perfect and felt like, you know, exactly what I seek out when I listen to, and I go see this band. Then the same thing happened again on Saturday. And you just start to sound hyperbolic being like, no, that was the best one I've seen, you know, no, this one's better than that. Like at the end of the day, I think it's like what Jonathan said, they started at a high level and it's kind of what we always would want with a tour where, it's just consistently great throughout. They don't necessarily need to ramp up because they were on from the start and they have so much um, to kind of explore and communicate within each of the, each of the shows and within individual songs. Your experience though, just that you're describing of, you know, how did this, how is this show as good or better than the one I just saw, even if it was a month ago or whatever, it, it it's exactly the kind of thing that I was saying 27 years ago. So yeah. that yeah. just only makes me even more excited to yeah. uh, get on an airplane, <laughs> which otherwise I wouldn't be excited. On an airplane. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, we're, we're, we can't go show by show because that would be a lot. I mean, we could, but we shouldn't, maybe we can talk about some highlights from the first, you know, the first couple shows and then, and then move forward. Matt, do you have, did you go back to to Sacramento and San Francisco? Are there things that that stick out to you from those those sort of first three shows? I guess. Yeah, I really liked um, the "Set Your Soul Free" from the second night of San Francisco. Uh, I thought that was a, a really really fantastic jam. Um, one of those like they uh, they kind of like started out with a quick evolve to get warmed up. Uh, and then they go into set your soul free and it was just, it was big. It was big. And there was a, um, I'm sure everybody has seen this. If you've watched the webcast or even if you've listened to the live fish recordings, uh, Trey has a talkback mic on stage now, um, which yeah. is something he's had with tab for a while where he can use it to tell everybody the song that they're going to play. And, um, rather than going to Fishman and going to page now and like getting up close and telling them the song, he, he kind of says it. And you, if you listen closely through the right channel in your stereo mix, you can, li- <laughs> you can hear, uh, what he says, um, which is cool. I also like being surprised, but if you're, if you've got good ears, you can kind of, sh- you know, surprise the, the person next to you and say, ah, oh, they're going to, they're going to play this. But, um, he, he said something at the beginning of that set, like, like fucking a man, we're just going to jam it. We're just going to jam it out, man. Just, we're just, we're just jamming dude. And Fishman was like, yeah, yeah. And they played evolve. And I was like, okay, well that didn't quite happen, but then set your soul free. was just <laughs> huge. That's awesome. That's there's, there's a riff that they land on in that set your soul free that they return to slightly in uh ruby waves that like it it sound it's the most like 70s pink floyd arena rock that i've I, I feel like you can hear from trey and i think it's a lot of the reason why we're hearing uh so many rumors about a certain pink floyd record for for halloween
I, I just want to counter the Set Your Soul Free, which I can't dispute as being an amazing highlight, with uh, the Chalk Dust Torture that, you know, played Wings. It was four songs set that night, right? Evolved, right. Set Your Soul Free, Wingsuit, and Chalk Dust. And that Chalk Dust Torture is A, huge, B, beautiful with a, just an outstanding peak at like 17 and a half minutes. In fact, I was listening to this when I logged onto this thing and Brian caught me just like air drumming and just jamming out. And I don't air drum because I don't drum, but it's just, it's so good. So good. It's a really amazing. And, uh, and considering what they did the night before with the, which is, I think the show you saw, Brian, RJ, you saw that one too, with the extended Frankie says, and you just knew, just knew we were in for it. Yeah. I mean, I think that the Frankie says from this San Francisco show that we saw was, um, man, what a cool, like to hear the first, first one in a long time. I think my, probably my first since the, the Island tour, but the, and then like suddenly you're, you know, 15 minutes into it. And that was a time it happened to me like three times that night where I had to take out my phone and look at the fish from the road, Twitter to try to figure out what song <laughs> was last played. Cause I had no idea what song it was. And that's like a, that's kind of a rare occurrence these days and a really, really wonderful place to be at a concert. I was like, it took me five minutes to figure out what song was playing, which is kind of cool. Um, can, can we also give it up? I mean, I don't want to dwell on, you know, what happened that night in, in San Francisco, which was obviously very, very unfortunate. Um, but can obviously, you know, a lot of love for everybody that was affected by that, including the, the folks that were injured, but can we just give it up for Evan Reeves who is in a wheelchair with a broken leg watching that set? I mean, like that's like real American hero shit right there. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, Evan Reeves never opens his wallet again at a fish show. If you see that guy, you get him a beer, you get him a water, you get him whatever he needs. He is yep. like, he is a hero. I mean, a, amazing fortune to be able to you know guy landed on him so he was able you know didn't get more hurt than he was but then wants to go back in and watch the rest of the show we all would like to think that we're tough enough to be like i I just let me wait till the show's over but i can tell you if that happened to me i probably would be like get me out of here give me the morphine i'm done you know maybe can i get the webcast on my phone you know (laughs) like yeah props to him and uh you know best thoughts to everybody who was affected there that's and uh credit to trey and fish for saying something about it in eugene yeah yeah i thought that was really nice i mean we you know none of us surprisingly are engineers lawyers or event planners so we don't really know anything about this situation although we've talked about it just not on not while we're recording, but what a, a horrible thing for everyone who had to deal with it. It's, it's crazy. Um, and then, so they went to, to Eugene, played two shows that, uh, again, kind of kept the, kept the theme going. I just, to me and, and Brian, I, I was thinking about this before you said this, but then you said it and made it a lot more real. Like when you were talking about the Chula Vista show that it was like, a, I feel like this whole tour has kind of just been like an extended sound check or an extended band practice or something i, I kind of felt that at, at definitely part of the tab tour but it feels like now that that bled over and it's just like every show is just like a jam session yeah it's a jam session and, and it also feels like um you know thinking about like the second night in eugene uh throwing out end of session in the middle of split open and melt it seems like they're willing uh 
you know, bust outs and, and, and extreme rarities that would come out at a sound check and would not be heard live, you know, for maybe a few shows. Like it, it just has that very loose feeling to it where we're playing this. Why don't we just see how this works? And, you know, it's kind of this fusion of the approach that they had in say like 2012, when they wanted to play a lot of random songs to kind of, you know, spice up the set list but with half of the total songs in a show and extensively more jamming, you get kind of the best of both worlds with that. Um, I watched both Eugene shows and I, I really enjoyed parts of the first one the the down with disease opener was a really stunning moment that seemed to be kind of the turning point of like, we're not going to have a reset show on this tour. We're going to come out and play a 26 minute jam to start things out. And, you know, I, I had a friend who was there who just set, kept sending me, Oh my God wow how is this still going you know this is the first song just like you know consecutive uh texts about it but i thought the second night flowed perfectly from from the start to the finish um completely energy you've got just like two great unique jams out the gates there but uh the highlight for me from this two night run was was the ruby waves there there's a moment they get into around 15 minutes and it carries over for the back half of the jam and it's some of my favorite playing of the entire year um they're just they're so locked in at that point in time and they're playing sounds that are almost not like non-comparable to any other sounds that they've been playing with throughout this entire year And now a word from our friends at Shift Genuine Cannabis. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Jonathan, I assume that you have thoughts about the split open and melt. You're talking on mute, but I assume you're talking about the split open and melt. I um, I'm not. I actually oh, I want to yeah, I want to shout out the stash because uh, uh, which is probably why I was on mute because I was off topic. And the split open and melt is really cool. End of session, just out of nowhere. Um, I think that 
You mentioned that 2012, where they were throwing out songs left and right a lot, and um, I mean, the difference is that they're really, they're very successful now. Um, and it, it's cool when they would throw out these songs, but they would, you know, you'd kind of be like, ah, it's really cool, good for the stats, but they didn't really nail that. And yeah. now they are pulling it off, even if it's something like, um, what was it the uh, you know playing the song to over the wrong drum beat because that's you know like out of the simple drum beat or whatever it is those kinds of things they work or at least they're making it work and uh it's again that creative sound checky kind of vibe is so fun i feel like that ruby waves from eugene rivals the ruby waves from alpine even you know not quite as long but just in terms of new ground covered, it felt to me like that was a pretty different kind of um, piece of improv from some of the other stuff we've heard this tour. Matt, did you did anything about that jam or, or the Eugene shows stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, th there's a couple of great huge jams. The the that's one. The disease which opens uh, the other show was was a great one. Um, shout out to a couple of awesome song selections over those two nights. First off, the return of energy, which is uh, one that they definitely should be playing more, and I know is a fan favorite. Um, Lonely trip, which they continue to place as like I, I, it's almost Jonathan's going to hate me for this, but I, I, it's almost like they're El Paso now. Um, that it's just like the amazing delicate landing vehicle after an intense deep jam um and then leaves which is like one of my favorite songs they've written in the past you know decade uh and and has not been played live quite enough and they nailed it um so it's it, that's one of those things that people forget about it's like yes there's huge jams there's bust outs and there's great first sets and stuff but it's like the song selection and placement has been just like nearly perfect it, it, the shows never feel like they're getting broken up at all uh, I love El Paso, so you get a pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, okay. So I guess one quick question. Do you guys think they're, do you guys think the improv is, is pretty different jam to jam night to night, or does it feel like it's all part of one? Like if you were to stitch this together, these long jams into one monster jam, would you hear a ton of different things or would you hear similar themes being like repeated just from a musical perspective who's got the time for that there's so much you know there have been jams sure. i mean jams tours where you're like oh well we got these five jams from the tour and we'll you know it'll make a nice playlist you can almost fit it on a cd remember cds um but now yeah nobody's got that kind of time but i think there's similarity and there always is trey's working with this same set of new toys and he's doing different things night to night. It's definitely not super repetitive. You know, they're reacting in different ways. They're coming at him from, from different songs to begin with. Um, so it's not stale. Even if it is, even if there are similarities it's to my ear, at least. Yeah. To my ears, uh, the, the, the consistent uh, uh, nature of it is based around, Trey's really lyrical guitar playing. And that's something that even in the Baker's dozen, you didn't hear as much. He's, he's very confident that he has a riff that he wants to unveil in that moment. It comes out like it was pre-written. He can adapt it and it allows the band as they're modulating in these jams to find new ideas that 
in, in a lot of cases, probably propel them five minutes further. They know that that's going to happen. It's not just going to be a wash of sound and then a fade out into whatever the next song is. There's a lot of purpose with it, which is how you get like a set like last night where they're falling in and out of different songs um, and it not feeling like they're forcing an entry into another song. So if there's anything consistent, that's what, that's what I would say it is. I think it's in the sounds um, that I hear. I mean, it's not necessarily what they're doing with them, but the same sort of palette that they're using to create different moods, Uh, the same very kind of synth heavy tones that they're all using could be used to create something like the, um, you know, that sounds like Pink Floyd run like hell, or it could be used to create something like what happened at the end of Piper the other night, which was basically a gateway to hell. I mean, it's just like, it's amazing. So, okay, so let's get back to Brett Brinkman tour. Uh, Phoenix, Chula Vista, LA. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Um, Brian, what were your highlights? I know it's hard to summarize, but you know, that's what we're, uh, that's, that's what we're here to do. How, how would you summarize? Just name one song, Brian. Just the whole. <laughs> Tell us, let's talk about the, let's talk about the forum because it was last night's show and technically we're here to review that show. But first, before we do that, Brian, what, What's your quick summary of the the, the two nights prior? Um, <laughs> One of which you told me was the most insane concert experiences of your life. So I'm sure that'll be easy to still, summar- summarize still quickly. Will. Yeah. Um, uh, Phoenix, I thought it was a very off-market Southwestern type of set list where, you know, a lot of kind of songs that we're not going to play uh, in kind of a showcase uh, concert, but mixed into it because the band is feeling so confident, so on right now incredible jam out of soul planet incredible jam out of everything's right those are those are the two biggest highlights for me and the rest of the show was fine it was good i had a great time i danced around with brad and uh friend of the pod uh ben greenfield i got to high five brad's daughter at set break and i was sad that she did not get the driver that she wanted but um you know it's a fun shed really beautiful night moon was rising right next to the venue um Good, good show with two very strong jams. It's kind of my biggest takeaway. They played Hydrogen. They played Hydrogen. And a nice one. A very nice one. 1023 Chula Vista. Um, This might have been the best concert I've ever seen in my entire life by any band. when, When you nail everything down, I was right up front. I had nobody in front of me. I had very few people behind me. I didn't realize that when you were that close, you had so much space. I could literally just lean on a rail and watch the band communicate. Um, my biggest takeaway is something I've never had at any sort of fish show. I listened to Mike more than any other band members. Cause I was right in front of him. I could hear him. I could watch him play riffs. I could hear him, uh, 
work against Trey, work with Trey, throw out throw out ideas. It was a huge awakening moment for me in terms of what he adds to the band in a way that I just hadn't seen up close before. Um, so that was my biggest takeaway. If you want, we can talk for four and a half hours about this show, and I probably won't exhaust myself at that point. So <laughs> it was amazing. Um, what was your What was your favorite favorite moment? I've heard, I think I asked you this yesterday, but tell us tell us again. What was your favorite moment of that show? Tube. The only moment that I looked away from the stage was during Tube. They're playing this like, you know, dance riff, dance beat from hell. You know, it sounded like like the darkest LCD sound system that you could ever imagine. And I looked back at the crowd and it looked like the entire venue was just like tilting on its axis. Like the way the lights were hitting it, the way everybody was dancing in unison. Um, that was just, I realized at that moment that like, I wasn't just having an experience that the band was playing an incredible show and everybody was soaking it in. Some yeah, amazing you know, parts of that. Go they could have. No, it's quite all right. They could have walked off after Slave, and that first set would have felt complete. Um, totally not a agree. knock on Slow Llama or even Rise Come Together, which, you know, despite that song and all the haters, I just, I, I that gets stuck in my head. I like it, um, but it really like that tube jam, the fluff head in ICU jam, throwing Bye Bye Foot. You know, that's that's a perfect little set right there. Uh, with slave on the end, but the rest of it comes in nicely. Um, that Piper is my jam of the week of the tour. Um, it's insane. The transition into it is good. I like Matt's uh, gates to hell. What was it? Is that what you said, Matt? The portal to hell. Portal to hell. Yes, portal well put. Uh, it's, it's just out of outer space <laughs> drug music or something, man. It was it was good. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here um matt, matt did you hear anything different from that that chula vista show you mentioned the piper a couple times but just sort of a continuation of that of what they're doing with this sound palette yeah and, and i think you know piper was probably my highlight uh of the night watching from the couch but you could have removed the piper or just made the Piper like a hundred percent less good. And it still would have been an amazing show. Like the show had been so good up to that point that like when the Piper happened, I was actually like shocked. It was, I couldn't believe that they still had that much gas in the tank. Um, so it's like a, 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 a highlight amongst highlights. I mean, pretty much every single song, you know, the NIC and I see you through line through the, the entire show. Um, it just felt like one really, really cohesive statement from start to finish. I, it's impossible to know this, but I feel like that Piper was the longest in a long time. Like usually a Piper you get in a second set within it's, you know, eight to 11 minutes and it's sort of between twist and something else. But this was like a, it was its whole own thing. Pretty sure since October 19th, 2016, they played a lot of long Pipers on that uh, in, in late 2016. And then everything has been like 11 to 12 minutes since then. So there is a way to know. That's amazing. Learn something new every day. Um, all right. So, Brian, let's talk about last night at the forum. Um, the, the only thing I know about it is that it's $75 to park there. And that's it's, it seems affordable. And, you know, if you have a, if you have 15 people in the car, you know, that's not it's not bad. It's perfectly reasonable for Los Angeles. <laughs> it um, was it was actually 45, but still quite ridiculous. The 75 okay. was for the football game that happened in the stadium next oh, to it nice. earlier, which they didn't leave until five o'clock. So there was nobody at in the fish lot until like an hour before doors. Oh, wow. 
Wow. Um, okay. So Brian, what, what was the, I mean, well, let me just say type two, you enjoy myself with no vocal jam, man, it doesn't really get better than that for me, but, um, <laughs> tell, tell us, tell us about it from your perspective. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the highlight for me was the, you enjoy myself, MoMA, simple waiting all night segment. Um, it just, it felt like they picked up the thread from the night before. Um, anything was possible at that point in time. Um, I really like how simple, you know, was seven minutes long, but had this kind of dark ominous groove that we heard in San Francisco that we heard in Dick's, um, waiting all night, like just like falling into that song was just like more of an example of kind of what we've been talking about with the way that the band is playing it's disorienting in nature um and then the second that i i've never seen uh a segue fest i've never seen a tweezer fest it was a you know kind of historical stamp in terms of my overall fish going experience uh, i thought the song selection in that set was really strong and i really enjoyed how rather than just you know, using each song as just a straight bridge into another one, kind of how like 1994 Segway Fest would be. Um, there were a lot of jams kind of scattered throughout. Uh, Jonathan Hart coined micro jams throughout the entire set that I thought were really enjoyable. Uh, Birds of a Feather, Say It To Me Santos. Um, last note, and probably aside from the You Enjoy Myself, my biggest highlight of the show was the way that they ended Bathtub Gin. Um, they built it up. But it was slower, it was more atmospheric, and then they just went into what sounded like a hint of the Carini jam that we saw at San Francisco uh, night one, that, that encore, the 19-minute type two encore. What an amazing thing for the band to have done. Um, it sounded like they entered that territory where there were a lot of synths, it was building, but rather than peak it, they just kind of brought it down to near quiet, ended it, and walked off stage. And it just felt like a... It felt like, you know, in, in years past, they would try to, Trey would, you know, throw in the bathtub gin lick and just try to bring it in for like a big finish and a big peak. And he just knew we, we made our statement. Let's let this music kind of linger for a couple seconds and then we'll walk off. set list on fishnet there's uh, there were four unfinished songs last night which i feel like is that's got to be i mean for for this era that's that's really unusual especially with how much cherry loves finishing songs like even after long jams i mean they, i don't know what he, they were doing but they were just man they're out there he has been finishing songs a lot uh lately and we've talked about this on the show over the summer you know because uh, not only finishing them but actually doing a really nice job of returning to and landing them uh quite elegantly um yeah. but uh to hell with that it's a tweezer fest we just uh we just play stuff and go until we find the next thing and uh i like that you know none of the set list properly represented anymore um this morning there was uh 
you know, setlistonfish.net, they got revised. Uh, Dave Steinberg got overruled by the setlist committee and they took out all of the tweezers that he dropped in between the songs. Um, because, you know, Trey plays the riff, he wrote tweezer and they cut it out. But I, I, I like that Trey reminds us that we're still inside the, twe- the freezer throughout the set until it ends. Uh, what a, just a great, great show uh, probably you know an early in the running for one of my favorite tweezer fests of recent years but we'll see how it holds up for me uh you know in the coming weeks months etc and they didn't play fee um all right guys one quick prediction before we wrap up just one thought about vegas that you have at the moment it can be anything it doesn't have to be music related just what what are you feeling going into uh this next weekend trapezes nice nice <laughs> i don't know i just gotta i hunch. love it i, I love hunch. it nine sets four on course there you go <laughs> care to challenge that brian i just like to be right so. that's all <laughs> i think some people will win money and i think some people will lose money and some people will do both well that was the worst ending that we've ever had and we've done a lot of shows <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> this is i mean yeah it's kind of like trite to just be like expect the unexpected you know but that's like could, could it possibly be any more fun to go into a weekend with that being the the sentiment because i feel like that is that is where we are which is just outrageous yeah i think we always go into a halloween run happy and really excited and everyone feels like they're you know it's it's a huge experience um I think that this year feels slightly different be, just because of the quality of play that we have leading up to it. And that the, the unknown factor, it's, it's not like at an all time high right now. I'm really excited yeah, for you three. I'm really excited for my wife. I'm really excited for everyone out there. Who's going to the shows. Uh, you guys are going to see some amazing music. You know, I just, uh, in pre- preparation for Vegas, I just got my third Vax shots for COVID uh, and, and my flu shot. Uh, PSA, if you haven't done those things, you're kind of inside the window to do that, but you should do it anyway. Um, despite that, if you're going to wait Vegas, wear your masks, wear your masks, wear your masks. It's not, I'm going to do it. It's not, I'm going to do it because you said it. I'm going to do it. I got my third shot and I am going to wear my mask because Matt told me to, and it's the responsible thing to do. So everyone out there be responsible. Um, we'll be back on Thursday morning to recap the, Santa Barbara show. Sorry, Wednesday morning. Unfortunately, Brian will not be at that show, but luckily he's at home. So that's good. Um, I made it. (laughs) um, Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks to shift genuine cannabis Um, guys. We are, we're going to talk next week and um, man, it's going to be an interesting conversation. Can't wait, but thank you guys. This was super fun. All right. Yeah. Thanks all. See you guys later.
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now.